Welcome back to From the Press Box, the Holland Sentinel Sports Staff's weekly podcast where we talk anything and everything sports. I'm sports Editor Dan Diodana, along with my lovely assistant, yes, we're back to lovely, Bo Troutman. Um, and we will have plenty of things to talk about this week. Um, high school football, big rivalries coming up. We'll talk about last week. And uh, college football to talk about, Hope Grand Valley, Michigan, Michigan State, and some other sports to talk about, MLB playoffs. But we got to start with the Lions. We got to start with the Lions. Um, I've given up. I mean, like, don't get me wrong. I root for the Lions for the most part. Like, but I, for the most part, as a sports, I don't really care. You know what I mean? I'm objective with them. Baseball's my thing. I'd much rather watch that. Uh, but I watch the Lions. I analyze the Lions. I've lived the pain of the Lions, whether I whether I personally care as much as other people or not. And objectively, I still am to the thing that to the thinking that they get screwed more than most NFL teams based on calls. It happened in the Dallas playoff game a couple years ago. The whole Calvin Johnson rule that they changed all because of that has cost them how many touchdowns over over the years? One this year to Galladay in that um, loss to the Chiefs, um, and then these illegal hands to the face penalties. Mm-hmm. You can't. You guys can't see my air quotes. Yeah. Penalties, where he was clearly not touching the guy's face either time, and it was both on third down, and it both led, and it all led. They both led to scoring drives, and then the Packers edged the Lions like that. Uh, it's already hard enough to be a Lions fan in general, I would guess, um, and I'm speaking as someone who is. Not a suit like just. I'm not a super Lions fan. I don't dislike the Lions. I'm even, you know. Just like I think it's got to be hard to be a Browns fan. Obviously, you know, I mean, it's it's hard enough with the ineptitude over the years, but all these calls at pivotal moments against the Lions the past few years, that's got to be hard to take. That's got to be hard to take. So that that makes it an extra tough loss for Lions fans. But what do you think? Yeah, I mean, it's tough because it's just more of the same. It's like, yes, they have the two penalties. Yeah, they led the scoring drives that severely impacted the game. But at the end of the day, they, they kicked five field goals. Those five times, they couldn't score a touchdown. TJ Hogginson drops that one touchdown, uh, the fade in the end zone. It's like... It's kind of same old Lions. I mean, yeah, so it's hard in the sense that, yeah, it's just more of the same. We're like, yeah, you could say the refs screwed them or, you know, use that argument. But at the end of the day, you know, the Lions had five opportunities in the red zone to put up seven points, and they didn't. So, I mean, I think it's it's tough. I mean, yeah, they went in the Lambeau Field. It's a tough game. But, you know, if they're ever going to break out of that that kind of that mode, you know, they got to start, you know, they can't kick five field goals, you know. For sure. And great. To, and I've always felt this. I mean, I know there's moments where bad calls really come into play. And cost Galarraga a perfect game, or the Denkinger call in the '85 World Series that cost the Cardinals that Game Six against the Royals. And I mean, replay takes care of a lot of things now, but I still am under the the general scope of things that great teams overcome those bad calls. Because don't get me wrong, the Lions have gotten probably more bad calls over the years than other teams. But there are plenty of other teams who have had to deal with just as bad a calls that have won championships. Um, that doesn't make it any easier for Lions fans. And I think that that's 
automatically a Lions fans go to one of their go tos now because it is so frequent. Like that, like I would agree with Lions fans a hundred percent that the refs cost them a chance at that playoff game in Dallas because that call was horrendous. But when it it keeps building up like this, you've got to be able to rise above it and be great because no one's going to feel sorry for you. Lions fans feel sorry, and the Lions feel sorry for their fans, but nobody else is feeling sorry for them. At the end of the day, you got to rise above it and win. I know that's really hard, and it's hard to balance because, again, I agree that the Lions have been screwed with more call bad calls. And let's just say that for the most part, over the years – officiating has come and gone as far as you know it's had highs and lows i think across the board nfl officiating has been not good this year and that's not just lions games i mean i'm watching highlights every every week and somebody and even the even the like the sports center anchors or, or whoever is like and eh, this is kind of a bad call and this is you know what i mean and they're showing they're proving the bad calls with the highlights and that that's not helping anybody because I thought obviously the goal of replay was so that this kind of stuff wouldn't happen. But there's some things you can replay and there's some things you can't, and that's that makes it really difficult. So, I mean, so why you know for Lions fans, it's it's insanely difficult. I feel like it's a it's the cherry on top of a bad situation is the officiating. That's because it's. It makes it extra bad. But like you said, five field goals. You got to get one of those in, right? I mean, like, you can't ever expect to win a game that you don't score a touchdown. I mean, you just can't. So, but it's still still just a mess. It's still just a mess because until the Lions win something, and by something I mean at least a playoff game, this stuff's going to follow. And it started following even before the Calvin Johnson rule. But that really put the officiating uh, on the map with the Lions, with the correlation between the officials and the Lions. And that changed everything because that was how Calvin Johnson scored. Like, that was his thing. And it just changed everything. And so now, since then, it's, you know, I think it's things that Lions fans blame they they use the officials as a scapegoat. Does that mean that they should? No. But does that also mean that they didn't blow the calls? No. That doesn't mean that either. But at the end of the day, yeah, you got to get in the end zone. So it's it's just it's just weird. I just feel this weird vibe about this whole thing. Every year, there's at least one game like this where I feel like the Lions get screwed by the officials. Now maybe maybe it's more than one game. But I mean, like we're the actual result of the game could be construed that way. <laughs> I got to feel that that happens to a lot of teams one game a year. Oh, yeah. As, as an Oakland Raiders fan, yes. <laughs> Definitely. But but I, th- I think it's every team. I mean, at the end of the day, whenever... You or know, most teams. Maybe not every team. Yeah, I don't yeah. ever feel like the oh, refs are screwing over the Patriots. The Patriots, but. yeah. I mean, whenever you have whenever you don't have access to replay, I think, in sports, because think about it. I mean, a bad call... I mean, there's so much so much stakes on you know wins and losses. You know, you have 16 opportunities to win a game in the NFL. It's like there's so much you know there's high stakes on every single play if you think about it. So one bad call really negatively affects the game no matter how you look at it. And I think that 
And in my opinion, and Booger McFarland actually mentioned this during the game last night. He said, you know, why don't we have, you know, replay for, you know, for calls like this? And yeah. You know, I know then it brings up the whole thing about, you know, game length and all that. But to be honest, I mean, when the stakes are as high as they are, you know, there's a couple couple extra seconds, a couple minutes maybe, really going to hurt. I mean. Right. And I don't think that uh, the NFL is hurting for length of game the way Major League Baseball is either. You know, there's clocks. You know that, that you don't hear a lot of the ratings dying off on games, not because of the length. So, yeah, there, there's a lot of things to talk about. But there's the problem is there's so many things that are subjective, and that's why it took them until now to in, do a pass interference one, because they could set up some specific parameters. Um, so they need to be able to just have stronger parameters for some of these other calls because. Uh, you know, at the end of the day, they want to get it right. The league wants to get it right. It's just, it's just harder. But the more you re- do replay, like in, like in baseball, the more you re- do replay, the more you'll notice that way more than you thought, the ump was right, which is very encouraging. So maybe that'll happen with the NFL eventually too. They'll have, they'll be able to look at some more things, or even if it's not something that replay could immediately do, if that. If that could be challengeable, that's really what it is. Because there are plenty of times where there's horrendously poor calls of penalties that aren't really a penalty or something like that in a part of the game that doesn't matter. We don't need right. that. We don't need that lengthened in the game. Yeah, but there should be a, a specific parameters where you can challenge specific things a little bit more. Yeah, that's a good point because I was just thinking, like, what if they did like you know the two minutes before you know the end of every quarter or something? You know, it's really those critical moments that you remember. Like, you know, like there was uh, the Saints game. You know, the, the pass interference uh, last right. year. You know? Right in the playoffs. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah, where it's like I believe that was late in the game. It's like right. crucially affected the game. What if it was you know two minutes before? Before halftime, two minutes before the end of the game. Right. If you look at penalties, yeah, just the the final two minutes, if you look at them just like you do scoring plays. Yeah. There can't be that many more penalties in the final two minutes. But then it's like, then it'll bring up, you know, then there'll be the penalty that happens at the two, you know, 30 mark, you know, 30 seconds. But that's when you get a challenge. I mean, maybe, maybe you, maybe they need to open it up to have several more things be challengeable mm-hmm. and then give the coaches one more challenge per yeah. game or something like that. I agree so with that. Yeah. um yeah, I mean I don't want it to, them to be challenging everything that happens all the time, but we want it to be getting right, get it right. I mean, I think yeah. tennis has enough challenges of calls that when it's it's not going to you're not going to unless you really use a ton of them, you're really not going to be out of a call at a crucial moment. You'll have a challenge remaining. And I think that that's I think that's going to be good, you know, for the sport. Uh, but I mean, it's just for me, honestly, it's another one of those things. There's already so, and this this should be a crucial point for the NFL with officiating. Is there's already so many things starting to work against football in general as a sport? Brain injuries from older players, dementia, concussions now, all the injuries now, um, gruesome injuries we've had this year uh you know in a lot of places there's so many things building up to be reasons that football is too dangerous or too whatever we don't need officiating on top of that too i mean it's already dangerous enough that people are going to that that's causing some people to stop playing it's causing you know some fans to stop watching but you don't need to throw man i can't watch the nfl because the officials are so bad 
that I'm not watching an objective game. You don't want that layer on there, too. There's already enough things working against the NFL with the way they run things, the way it's the way money works in the NFL, with you know the way salaries work, the way uh, you know the way end zone celebrations work, the way concussions are happening all the time. I mean, last week we saw a quarterback get knocked cold in midair, in midair. I've never seen anything like that, and it was just after another quarterback had a gruesome injury. I mean, you've got like th- these aren't just oh they got their their quote their bell rung or whatever like that out cold in mid air before they hit the ground and you know how many things are we seeing of shoulder you know shoulder injuries and rip to this and dementia from older players and stuff there's so many reasons building up I know this could be a whole other podcast but there's so many reasons building up that are working against football, they should be doing everything in their power to control. You can't control the injuries and the hitting the same way. I mean, you can have the rules and everything like that. People are going to get hurt. It's a violent sport. You can't control that the way you can control how officiating works and how other factors um, play into whether or not people want to watch football. Yeah. I mean, you know, the thing is like, yeah, with with brain injuries, you know, there's – the pro- the biggest problem I have with penalties is it seems like there's no change. I feel like it's every year out. Oh, there's another bad penalty, another another call that you know changed the outcome of a game. Where you you look at the flip side on injuries, you, you know, comparative subject, it's like there's immediate change that they implemented the targeting rule and now it caused more problems. You know, people getting ejected, when maybe they should have, and, and, and all that stuff. But at least there was something done about it. Where now. You know, it's like, do we still do we even know what the process of a catch is yet? I mean, there's every year, there's calls that go and nothing happens. I feel like nothing's really changed as far as there's still these calls, and especially this year, there's these calls that yeah, this year has been bad across the board. And it's like, do I feel like you got to get into the end zone in the middle of the field? You just have to do it in the middle of the field because that's the only way to avoid it. But again, we've talked about this before, and probably on this podcast. What's the difference between what Calvin Johnson was doing and a running back who stretches the ball across or that touches the line that, quote, breaks the plane but loses control of the ball once their knee hits or whatever like that? That's a touchdown, but that's not a controlled – you're not in control of the ball there either. Somebody hits the pylon with the ball, it's a touchdown. But how is that different than somebody who comes down with the ball, bobbling it, but then ends up holding the ball – when they land on their behind. Right. There's no difference to me, and that yeah. always drives me crazy about just the rules in general. Now, that's not necessarily – that's not the official's fault. That's the rules. There, The rules clearly state that, and clearly is a – you know, clearly. Yeah, I don't yeah. know. You know. Asterisk. Yeah, I don't understand how somebody that comes down bobbling the ball but lands ends up landing with control of the ball with their – Feet looking like they're in is not a score when you're when somebody dives across and hits the pylon with the ball. The ball flies loose and it's a touchdown. Mm-hmm. That just doesn't make any sense to me. But yeah. no, you know that's that. I would say that's just me, but I don't think that's just me. That's yeah. just one, one thing I've always had like a weird anxiety about too. I don't know if anyone else feels this way, but like whenever players like score a touchdown, like 
you know, like right before they officially, like you see him start to move his arms up, like when they spike the ball, like immediately, that always gives me like a little like, oh, especially when it's a team I like, you know, it's like, it always like makes my heart sink a little bit when they do that spike. And it's like, wait a minute, <laughs> are you still in the process of the catch? Like I get freaked out by that. Cause yeah, it's like, yeah, it's like, like you just said, the running back literally an inch into the end zone. It's like, oh, touchdown. But right. And then they could, yeah. by the time they're flat on the ground, the ball could be out of their hands, but yeah. it still counts. It still counts. Yeah. yeah so. I'm not saying one's right or the other's wrong, but those two huge factors on how a touchdown is scored don't seem to line up consistently. It no. needs to be one or the other. Either the running back needs to get all the way across the line with still possession of it, or you got to be a little more lenient on the catches. So, yeah, wow. I think it's one of those things we're always going to – there's always going to be like a tug of war on, you know, what is a possession, you know, what is a touchdown. And it's just always right. always going to be that way, I think, unfortunately. Right. In other sports, they seem to take care of those issues, though. Yeah. Yeah, but the NFL is kind of – well, right. people are still watching. Yeah. Right. Right. So, all right. So let's move to – let's let's look at uh, – actually, let's let's stick – we're going to – let's let's go around the other stuff first, and then we'll talk about – last week's high school games and then go immediately into next week in our picks this week in our picks so um sticking with football though let's jump let's jump we'll go in kind of like reverse order here let's talk about um michigan michigan state there's not much to talk about with michigan state all what i've really learned about that game though is not yes michigan state's offense is not great but honestly the takeaway i've come away with now is that wisconsin's legit oh yeah and they've manhandled Michigan and Michigan State. Tough to do. Yeah. I don't know what else to say. Yeah. No, I think I think the biggest thing is Wisconsin is uh yeah, they're they're for real. I mean, they're gonna be a problem. And that, that Ohio State Wisconsin game coming up too, that could decide the big the feature of the Big Ten this season because you know, those are two monster teams. And they up. might get to go twice. Yeah, and that could be really interesting, yeah. So And yeah. outside the box, if they play twice and each beat each other. And there's not a lot of undefeated teams out there. They theoretically could meet three times. If for some reason each of them having the one loss only to a top, probably a top five, six team at that point is enough to be a one loss team in the playoff. They could both be in the playoff. Yeah. It seems kind of far-fetched. Not far fetched, but it's there's a lot of things that need to happen for that to happen. Right. But it's not out of the realm of possibilities that they play each other three times. Yeah, that's crazy. It kind of reminds me of that situation in 2006 where uh, Ohio State beat Michigan in that crazy game, Troy Smith versus Chad Henney, and yeah. people were like, "Oh, but they put him in the championship, you know, rematch," and they wouldn't go for it. Just no, cause... but if they had the four team playoff, exactly. they both would have been in the four team yeah. playoff, and it could have. And that was before there was a Big Ten championship BCS. game either. So those. Those all could have played into it, and that's another thing about the Big Ten championship game that I don't like. You know, conference championship games. It's very clear that the group that has Michigan, Michigan State, Ohio State, and Penn State as a, as a group is collectively insanely stronger yeah. than Wisconsin, Nebraska, Iowa, Minnesota, Illinois. Yeah, like that. So that's what bothers me is the Big Ten Championship game is not always the top two teams in the Big Ten. No. And that happens in other conferences as well. But it's just not every conference. Some of them do it the other way where you actually get the best two teams. But it's just so weird. 
Like that 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 always bothers me about that yeah. too. So, but that, but they could. Mm-hmm. Man, imagine if the if there was the playoff. Oh yeah. Then and they played possibly played each other again. Yeah. But man, that really did get a race because Florida put the stank on Ohio State after that. Yeah, oh, no, yeah, because Ohio State was out partying and stuff, you know, and they should have been. Well, I mean, they, they had all that downtime where Florida, right. yeah, Florida. Well, didn't. honestly, the Michigan, Michigan, the Michigan Ohio State game that year was the national championship. It game. was. It really was. Um, but man, Florida took advantage of that yeah, big time, it was and they, bad. yeah, just threw a monkey wrench into a lot yeah. of things. But I'll never forget Ted Ginn returning that opening kickoff for a touchdown, and then he got hurt at the celebration, and then it was just like, oh my god, and, yeah, and yeah, that was it. So. Yeah. Yeah, so we'll see what happens there. With but Wisconsin looks good. Yeah, Wisconsin looks they good. Do. Mich- Michigan now they beat Illinois barely. Well, not barely. They <laughs> know, won by yeah. a few, but they were they were up what twenty four nothing. Yeah, then gave up a bunch of points, and it was real close for a while. And then they, you know, scored a few more times at the end to mm-hmm. to to pull away. Weird game again. I don't know what to make of that. That to me, Illinois is no good. No. So that is a little bit of a red flag. But not enough of a red flag. You know what I mean? There's games where you're like that where you you know you get up for the bigger competition. But again, that also should is the difference between a good team and a great team. And right now to me Michigan's a good team. Mm. Michigan State's a good team. They're good teams. They're not great teams. No. They don't have that moment. Michigan hasn't had that moment. If Michigan was a great team, they would have played better against Wisconsin. If Michigan State was a great team, they would have been played better against Wisconsin or Arizona State. Um, but there's those kind of things. You know, could they be a great team? Either one of them be a great team by the end of the year? Sure. But they just got to do it. Um, so, but I still don't like Michigan. We've talked about this every week. I don't know what to make of it. I don't know what to make of any of things. They win the games they're supposed to win. They've lost the games they're supposed to lose. I know they weren't supposed to lose to Wisconsin, but because they, they were 11 and Wisconsin was 13. But come on, at Wisconsin, please. We all yeah. knew that. I mean, Michigan fans even know that was trouble. That game was going to be yeah. trouble anyway. So, and they didn't just, they didn't lose. They got the stank put on them. Yeah. That's the difference. And also, Michigan State got the stank put on them by Wisconsin. So that shows you. Wisconsin's got the stank, which is yeah. which is good for the Big Ten because you need that on both sides of the divisions. But again, not sure what to make of Michigan. So no. uh, Grand Valley State they earned another win. The big story in this was their running back who was number five on the depth chart a week ago had 287 rushing yards. Uh, that's pretty awesome. Uh, yeah. They got back on track. I know they've had a couple of tough weeks um, where I mean. They've only lost one, but a couple of you know tough games where it, this was this was a huge game against Saginaw Valley, a ri- big rivalry. Uh, I feel like this is a game when you have somebody step up like that, that kind of writes the ship mm. for the Lakers. What do you think? Yeah, I mean definitely. Anytime you know SVSU, their history, they're usually kind of mediocre team, but they always get up for Grand Valley. I remember, you know, I, I went to uh, an SVSU GVSU game at SVSU, and I, I'll never forget. Uh, you know, SVSU is kind of like down on their luck and not doing so hot, and they ended up going to like double, double or triple overtime. No. So I mean, no matter what the case is with SVSU, anytime you beat a rival like that, it's good. Especially after the Ashland game. I mean, that that's just gonna. Can you imagine just like thinking you've won and then losing on a hail mary? Like, right. Ugh, it's yeah. A nightmare scenario. Now but, they're in a position where that thank not. I don't know if thankfully is the right word, but fortunately for them, they're in Division Two where you go to a, a playoff, not. 
right. a bowl situation or only the top four or whatever eight teams. So that doesn't it doesn't have the chance. You know, like you know, like it used to happen too in the Big Ten even before you had even before you had the, all the playoff. Mm-hmm. You know, when Michigan lost, you're like, crap. Is that a chance? Like, did they just lose a chance of making the Rose Bowl? Yeah, because the Rose Bowl was the thing. Um, but you know, it's it's not like that for Grand Valley, thankfully. So yeah. Um, but yeah, good good uh, good stuff from them. That's that's a Absolutely. big uh, winning in a big way. Um, all right, and hope you watch Hope beat Albion. I did. Albion is their Calvin for football because Calvin doesn't have football. So. Um, it was a big rivalry win for them, especially coming off that thumping of trying yeah. that we weren't really sure what to make of that. Um, they just kept cruising. I mean, they didn't, you know, it was still another big win for them. What did you see? Uh, I saw another very good team this week. Um, you know, it's like I wasn't at the trying game. It was on the road. We had another person covering it. But, um, you know, after that 51 nothing win against a good team, it's like I wanted to see, you know, are they legit? Is this, you know, for real? And. Albion wasn't a bad team coming in, um, and to, but still, anytime you put 50 points on another team, I don't care who it is. I mean, that's it takes talent to do that, and I think that the fact that now they've shown that you know they didn't come in and you know, struggle against Albion, that they're kind of starting to right the ship since that Milliken game. You know, I think this I think this Hope team's really good. I mean, Mason Apple. The only thing I would say, if you had to nitpick, and I mean really nitpick, because I don't think this is a major problem. The only thing is that like Mason Apple, like really, I mean, the team goes as he goes. I mean, you're not gonna. I mean, I don't, never say never, but like, I don't think you're gonna ever see that truly dominant game from like a running back or something. Now, Connor Mellon's coming off a great game, but it's like when it comes to you know late in the season against a you know a playoff team or something, it's gonna be Mason Apple or die. I think that's the only thing. Whenever you run an offense like that where you're relying on one guy all the time it gets a little dicey but again that's like nitpicking at the end of the day i don't think it's a major concern right the only thing too just based on this is based on history so i'm not calling out the the team to this year's team because i don't know uh, um honestly enough about it based on big teams because they haven't played big passing teams yet his past defense has been a is a weakness of theirs of late um and that means the last few years again i don't know enough about they haven't played enough big passing teams this right. year to really, you know, but that is something that has always been a troublesome when that that occurs. They got a good defensive front, but I, I you know, just again, historically, their secondaries have been picked apart in big games or, or NCAA tournament games or things like that. Now, I'm not saying that's going to happen this year because, again, I don't know enough about that, but that would be an interesting point like if they make the the tournament are they playing a running team or a passing team um because that could completely be the difference also um but yeah i know what you're just saying like i mean if if in some instances in some teams if you know if somebody goes down with an injury somebody can pick up the slack i don't think no one can pick up the slack of Apple because he does so many different things. Mm-hmm. Somebody could come in and pass as well as him, but then they wouldn't run as well as him or vice versa. Yeah. So. Yeah. I, I mean, I would say he's their best runner. I mean, out of all, you know, the three headed monster that is him, Kenya Houston and Connor Mellon. I mean, he's the best one. I mean, he, I mean, he yeah. just is, I mean, it's nothing against the other guys. It's no, just, he's, he's so good. He's got the instincts. Yeah. I mean, he did it in high school too. He played at Hudsonville and he was mm-hmm. regularly, you know, knocking West Otto around and giving everyone fits in that in the OK red. Yeah. Um, he just has that instinctual knack, 
and that's something you just you almost you really can't teach it. It's just, and that's what makes him so so good. So it'll be interesting to see how they move on because that it's it's interesting. Usually, opponents and things get tougher as the year goes on. Their opponents will not get tougher as they go on. They'll stay the same or get weaker. Right, and that's also can be dangerous for a team if you cruise the last few games. And then all of a sudden you're in the NCAA tournament against Wisconsin Whitewater or Mount Union, and you're like, "Oh my gosh, it's been eight weeks since we played a good team," you know. Right. So that's just something to look out for. Um, I don't know. I'm not saying that's going to affect anything, but it could be something that comes into play. No, and it's something that I think Mason Apple, when I talked to him before the season, he was kind of worried about. It's like he said, I think the exact quote was like, "You know, we've won some games, but like, what have we won really?" I mean, it's like, yeah, you know, they have good records in the regular season and stuff. When it comes down to the playoff games, yeah, they haven't had a ton of success so but i don't know i I wasn't here last year the year before that you know it's like but i think that from what i've seen that this is like the best version of the whole football team with the starters that they've had the past couple years definitely yeah and it's been different both times they've had a year where try try and manhandle them because they're you know they just manhandled the defense then there's been uh you know years where trying or somebody else there were so good defensively that the offense couldn't get going uh hope had that issue a couple years ago so it's like they don't have a whole like they're not just offensive or defensive base now hope is strong all the way around and i think they were last year as well um but that's yeah that's going to be interesting to see how this shakes out the rest of the way all right so before we get to high school football we've got some other things to talk about interesting with the mlb playoffs right now uh the nationals barely made the wild card then barely came back to win the wild card uh that right that yeah. weird Brewers game yeah. where the Brewers seemed to have it, and oh, then that, that ball bad. went under the right fielders. My poor guy, Josh glove. Hader. <laughs> and uh, and then they won like that, and then they beat the Dodgers by hitting, you know, in a clinching game, hitting back to back solo home runs off Clayton Kershaw to tie it, mm-hmm. then getting a grand slam and extra innings from Howie Kendrick to win it, and then they get in to face the Cardinals, who are always in the playoffs, and. Anibal Sanchez almost throws a no-hitter in Game 1. Max Scherzer almost throws a no-hitter in Game 2. And Steven Strasburg gives up one unearned run in Game 3. They're up 3-0. Their starting pitchers haven't given up an earned run. It's crazy. If this is the case, how did they have to fall into the wild card? Like, You know what I mean? Like It's one of those things yeah. that it's just like... But everything clicking at the right time. Yeah. And every time you look up, there's another tiger, a former Tiger on there. Oh, Anibal Sanchez... Ugh, great performance. Yeah. Ooh, Max Scherzer, great performance. You know who their setup guy is? Fernando Rodney. <laughs> it's crazy. Uh, but they're they're playing fantastic. They're the hot team. There's always a hot team to worry about in one of the leagues, and they're the hot team. So while the American League is you know has been kind of collectively beating each other up, they they took the momentum of winning that wild card and ran with it. And it's really interesting to see. Now the Astros and Yankees, as of now, are tied 1-1 as of this taping um, and have had great some great games. That'll be interesting to see how that turns out, too. I, mean, I, still, like, I still like Houston in that one. Uh, the, the Nationals are up 3-0. I'm not picking against that. That's only happened in the reverse curse here yeah. <laughs> for the Red Sox. So, um, And the way they're pitching, it's going to be a sweep yeah. um, if, they're, if the next guy up can do that. Otherwise, yeah. Sanchez will do it. You know, or Scherzer. You know, there's too yeah. many, too many good good arms on that yeah, team. Yeah, it's ridiculous. So, and they've never won. Mm-hmm. 
their franchise has never won. So that's adds another interesting layer to it. Now that the Dodgers, who had one since '88, are out. Yeah, um, so I didn't see that coming at all. The no. Dodgers. Yeah. No, they just. Yeah, I, they, I thought they were going to run over everybody in the National League. Same. I really did. Yeah. Um, that was kind of stunning the way that happened. But that happened against Kershaw on that deciding game. But that's in the deciding game. That means the Dodgers underperformed to get there. So just just interesting. But yeah. Nationals-Astros series maybe or Nationals-Yankees. It's just interesting. Remember, I called on this podcast for the Astros win it all. So I got, I got a lot riding on this. <laughs> My integrity's yeah. at stake. Yeah, yeah, because it's certainly not there for the football picks. So uh, <laughs> I'm making up another way. <laughs> so some other stories this week um, in today's Sentinel was a story about our Holland boxer uh, Joseph Sarabi Nelson, who was in the trials. Um, on his way back from losing in the trials, he lost his grandmother. Uh, very emotional story. Um, so check that out, everybody um, in the Sentinel. Um, just, I mean, we, it's so rare. We, I don't remember us. I don't know if we've ever had an Olympic trials boxing qualifier, and uh, and this kid's got the heart of a lion. I mean, he's he's had to overcome gangs, uh, you know, and uh, poverty and other things. He's a he's the father of two. He's a young kid. He's just he's had so many ups and downs, and a lot of downs, and. Um, you know, here he was at the uh, at the Olympic trials. Uh, very cool, very cool to see. Yeah. So everybody, check that story out. Um, we got West Ottawa's purple game for volleyball. Uh, we had that story uh, previewing it in Sunday's paper and online about uh, Macy Kyers from West Ottawa, who herself is a cancer survivor. Uh, don't really see that often in elite high school athletes. You don't really see cancer happening to them. Uh, it's been incredible to watch how she's. Hand, fought and handled the fight um, and is winning the fight, uh, which is very important. Um, so uh, if you haven't heard her story, give that a, give that a read. Um, that's There's a lot there. Um, and then Hamilton Volleyball and Holland Christian Soccer are all in action. Um, as of this taping, Holland Christian's in the semifinals for soccer. They're ranked number one, still undefeated. Um, and Hamilton Volleyball lost to Byron Center on Tuesday to fall into second place in the OK Green uh, but bounced back to beat Holland Christian in their rivalry week. And um, the same thing happened last year. I mean, Hamilton made the quarterfinals. They lost to Byron Center the first time they played and then beat them the second time. They shared the conference championship. Uh, well, maybe Byron Center also lost another one, but they won the conference championship um, the same way. So, you you know, a loss like that, you get, there's a lot to learn from. Uh, they bounced right back and uh, beat Holland Christian pretty pretty handily as far as a, usually that the way that, that rivalry goes it was in straight sets that usually doesn't happen in that rivalry so um and uh you know they still got plenty more they got to play byron center again there's plenty more volleyball out there with holland christian and zealand west and you know some other good teams around west Ottawa obviously is in the red so it's a little bit different um but it's a big year for volleyball uh which is you know exciting to see so um all right, let's get to the high school football now. That's a lot. A lot. Uh, we made people listen to our hot-winded ideas uh, of a lot of other things. Um, so if you are just tuning in to see uh, what our picks are and everything, I apologize. Uh, but maybe hopefully you learned some things. <laughs> um, so, all right, let's start with a quick recap of last week, um, week seven. You were at the Zealand West 
We had three teams score 64. There's three games that our local yeah. teams were involved with. There was exactly 64 points scored by somebody. That's really strange. It was weird. Yeah. So you were at one, 64 to 11. Yeah. 11's weird, too. Yeah. Zealand West over Holland Christian. I mean, Holland Christian has been real good. I know that they had their, they've had two quarterbacks be injured now. But uh, Zealand West is pretty good. Yeah. No, I mean, it was just... You know, it was the first time I'd seen them this season, and uh, they were as advertised. Uh, I felt kind of bad for Holland Christian, you know, going there with a backup quarterback. Then the first quarter, Will Heisinger goes down, and um, Julius Dykeis is kind of thrown into the mix. So actually, he played pretty well. I was impressed. that He made some good plays, but Zeeland West was just too much. They, I mean, they have so much running power on that team. It's crazy. So it was fun to watch them play. All right, they clinched playoffs as well. They did, um, which we pretty much knew was a foregone conclusion for them. Um, Zealand East had a rough start to their game against Byron Center. Uh, we all thought that was going to be a pretty good and close game, and it, they were down twenty-eight-seven after the first quarter and forty-two-seven at half. Um, obviously, Byron Center is real good. They beat Zealand West by a point earlier this year, but they—I did not expect that kind of a dominating performance. Um, with all and it was all in the rain, running touchdowns. I did not expect Zealand East's defense to give up that many scores. Um, so that was an interesting, interesting game. Um, West Ottawa also got sixty-four points put on them, but they scored twenty-six. It was never a running clock till like the last two minutes, so it was never that far out of reach. But uh, West Ottawa moved the ball. Scored a few times, but also had six turnovers in the rain. That's hard. To, I mean, that's you, you're not going to come back from that. Um, and then uh, Saugatuck also won, uh, which is a big win for them. Yeah. They got to try to upset Lawton. If they upset Lawton and then beat Fenville, they're in the playoffs. I would guess they're in the playoffs. So um, at five and four, yeah. I mean, Lawton is a big enough. I would think a big enough playoff point thing you know oh, yeah. i never know how that's gonna go but yeah um other than that i mean fenville fenville lost holland had 64 put up on them and they didn't score at all they lost 64 nothing to east kentwood which is just i can't imagine how tough that game was to take mm-hmm. um oh yeah and then and then hamilton lost to unity a closer much closer game but uh still never had any control really in that game unity had the control which was somewhat expected um so yeah now we got some interesting matchups it's start of our you know week one of two as far as rivalry week um we got a few rivals west ottawa grand haven that's a rivalry holland holland christian it's rivalry zealand west at zealand east obviously a rivalry hamilton plays wayland not so much a rivalry (laughs) but um fenville's at gobles and then lawton's at saugatuck um let's get uh Let's get through some of the non-rivalry picks first here. Um, Hamilton at Wayland, Bo. Who you like? Um, you know, I don't know much about Wayland, but uh, you know, I'm going to pick the Hawkeyes on a rebound here. Um, you know, I think that they've kind of had some tough losses. You know, their offense has been kind of limited in some games, but you know, I'll take the Hawkeyes in a bounce back performance. All right. Well, yeah, I'm speechless. I'm speechless. Um, yeah, I'm going to pick Hamilton too. I think that this is. Playing in the OK green is so tough, and they get uh, every team gets beat around enough um, that I think that this is going to be one of those where you, 
they're, Hamilton's going to show that they're actually better than people think, because, or record-wise at least, because um, they play such. They played so many tough games and played them close. A lot of the games have been close, um, so we'll see how that goes. But yeah, I, got, I like I like Hamilton in that one. Fenville at Goebbels. Not sure what to make of this one at all. Yeah, it's a really mixed game because you know we all picked. Goebbels to beat Sagatuck a few weeks ago, and then Sagatuck goes in there and you know beats the crap out of him. No, that was the other way around. Or was? Yeah. Oh, I thought we I all th- picked Sagatuck to beat Goebbels, and Goebbels won big. It was? Are you yeah, sure? I'm sure. Oh, well, sorry, podcast listeners, ah. uh, I got that mixed up. Um, no, I mean, I still, I, I really still don't know. Um, but if I'm a betting man, uh, I'm going to pick Goebbels. Um, yeah, I think Fenville has some pieces, but n- not the whole pie. So I think uh, I'll go with Goebbels. Yeah. yeah, me too. I mean, I just don't, I just don't see it on a road game. For, uh, uh, you know, Goebbels is a tough place to play. They've obviously proved to be really good. They're a playoff team. Uh, I think they get it done too. All right, Lawton at Sagatuck. Uh sorry, Indians. Lawton. It's I just can't see it. I want to pick Sagatuck so bad yeah. in this game because they need it. Yeah, but I just Lawton has just been manhandling everybody. Yeah, they're really good. Uh, I think it's it's really tough to you know it's like it, Indians. You know, so much is at stake for them, but got to go with Lawton. I think. All right, moving up to our other rivalries here, West Ottawa at Grand Haven. This has been a good rivalry over the years. Grand Haven is you know maybe three and four something like that. This is last chance for West, uh, one of the last chances for West Ottawa to get a win. Do they get that win, Bo? No, um, you know, like a, it's just more of the same. It's just more. Yeah, I think they're going to pass for some yards. I think Jake Zimmerl has some nice plays, but I think it kind of the buck stops there. Um, you know, I want to pick West Otto. I'm not against them by any means. It's just, you know, to get ahead in these picks, I got to pick what I you know, what I think, and I I, I think Grant Haven's going to get the win. The problem is you're already behind. So right. as I pick all these same picks as you, you're stuck. <laughs> Yeah. Wait. Never mind. No, just kidding. Uh, so I'm I'm gonna pick Grand Haven too as well. I mean they, I mean they beat Kentwood. Um, Kentwood rolled past West Ottawa, rolled past Holland, rolled past a lot of teams. I just um, it shows you how tough the red is. Um, you know, kind of the same thing that's happened to Hamilton is happening to Grand Haven. They're a three and four team right now because they've lost to Rockford and Hudsonville, but they beat East Kentwood. They beat a lot of good teams too. So yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, I just their defense is better, and that's that's really what's going to do it. Mm-hmm. All right, Holland at Holland Christian. We're not sure who's playing quarterback for Holland Christian this week. Yeah, what do you think? Um, I think yeah. I mean, with the quarterback situation, I think that uh, this would be a popular upset pick. But I'm still going to go with the Maroons. Uh, I liked what I saw from Julius Dykeis. So if he has to play again this week, uh, I think the the Maroons will be in good hands. Yeah, I think the bottom line is I got. I mean, I hate to agree with you so much, Bo. It just makes me sick to my stomach. But, uh, <laughs> but I mean, the bottom line is is, is Holland's defense has had trouble stopping. Um, it's an easy, you know, for the most part. I mean, they got a couple of decent players on defense, but all the the other opponents are just running or passing away from them, and that's it. And it's as much as Holland's offense has gotten going at times, they've struggled to score. Um, they've moved the ball against great teams. They moved the ball great against Zealand West, but they, every time they get the Renzo, oh, there's a dropped pass or a missed third down or a fumble or something. I just, um, Holland Christian's got too many 
too many things going in a better again a better defense so i'm picking them all right the moment we've all been waiting for zealand west versus zealand east at the stadium who you got zealand west in a blowout um wow in a blowout he yeah. says i mean i just think that with what happened to Zealand East last week, and then just looking, you know, me seeing Zealand West for the first time last week, and you know, knowing what they've accomplished this season, I, I just don't see how the Chicks get it done against the Ducks. Uh, they're they're so good with Gulker and Eating, and you know, all those guys. A Petty, it's like, how do you stop that? And I just I don't think they do in this one. Yeah, I honestly, I really want to pick the Chicks right now. I really do. I really do because. Sometimes these are the games that are the best where you kind of count one team out and then they come fighting back like Rocky. And I just, but I just don't see. I mean, Zealand East made the semis last year. They had a, a huge class graduate, obviously, but their defense was so good last year. It was so good. Their defense is not the same. No. They, again, they like they've got some pieces. But to stop, I mean, the Ducks are better than they've been the last couple of years. And to stop that, your defense has got to be up to that level. And I just don't I just don't see it. Now, I don't think it's going to be a blowout. Send all your hate letters to Bo Troutman, Sorry. B. Troutman at HollandCentral.com. That's right. Um, but I just, in a different situation, or I would pick the Chicks. But just Zealand West has been so efficient and again their defense is stronger than zealand east's defense as a whole and that to me is is what's going to get it done so i i mean i think they win i think the ducks win like i don't know maybe i'll change my pick by the time we get the picks i'll change my score pick but i think they win you know something like in the 30s to 21 you know uh something like that or 24 or whatever it is but it's just, and, and and weather can't change it. If weather if weather com- becomes a factor, that also benefits the ducks, which is not you know that's usually the, you know the opposite. You hope that would benefit the underdog a little bit, but uh, this rivalry, there's nothing like it. There's nothing like it. They go to class together. They're on the same campus. They eat lunch together. They play. They've played sports together since they were little kids, and but for a couple hours. They hate each other. Yeah. Now, what makes the rivalry so awesome, and the, I think the best football rivalry in West Michigan, is the second the game's over, the hate's gone. But there's too many friendly rivalries that are f- too friendly, and there's too many rivalries that are too vicious. Mm. It has the perfect balance. Yeah. They want those bragging rights. They don't want to be the ones that loses and has to be hear about it every day in class for a whole year right. or whatever. Um, but I still think I still think Zealand West gets the bragging rights back this time last you know last year zealand east won both matchups first for the first time ever and uh it was a special year for them um but from everything i've seen i mean they're the ducks are three inches from having a perfect season so far and uh i think they're gonna this is gonna be a special season for them and for that to happen they need this signature win and i think they get it done as well yeah but I hate to pick as many as you. I mean, a lot of these just on paper are so clear. Now that's again, that's not always what happens. But you're going to see some hail marys from Bowen week nine because yeah. there are some crazy games, and he's going to have to catch up. 
he's going to be two, three games behind me. Now, of course, Mitch has beaten me. i got to figure the same way. But my strategy so far, if you can't tell, Bo, has been to let Mitch do his thing, but make sure I beat you. Yes. So um, we'll, see, we'll see how that shakes out the last couple of weeks. Um, but uh, lots of lots of great games. Uh, if you've never seen a Zealand East-West game, go. Uh, there's absolutely nothing like it. Um, but, uh, yeah, we'll have plenty of coverage on that. We'll have... Uh, stories, video, our video editor, one of our video editors will be there putting together a compilation of uh, the atmosphere and everything, which will be really cool to see. Um, and then we'll jump into week nine stuff next week. But there's a lot of things going on. we got district soccer this week to break down um, and some other things as well. Um, we'll have some cross-country cross country conference meets are this week, so we'll have some more of that to break down next week. But we'll give you his expert cross country analysis That's right. next week. And uh yeah, we'll break down everything that happens. We'll see where we're at with the major league baseball playoffs and we'll see if uh oh, let's just mention this too. Kirk Cousins and the Vikings are playing in Detroit on Sunday. So we'll have plenty of breakdown from that game. Um obviously a huge game for so many reasons. Um so Lots of things, lots of things uh, on tap for next week too. So, um, but yeah, brave the cold and see some games uh, if you can. If you don't want to brave the cold, go watch some volleyball. Uh, <laughs> uh, but lots of big, lots of big games all the way around. So uh, we'll we'll see you next week here as we break down the annual Bird Bowl: Zealand East versus West, Chicks versus Ducks. Who will win? Will you say the Ducks? But that's why we play the games, so we'll see what happens. All right, for Bo, I'm Dan. We'll be back next week.